My name is Chris McDaniel. I'm the senior pastor at Trinity Anglican in Atlanta, Georgia. And welcome to our daily podcast. We are super thankful to have you join us this morning on this Good Friday. I'm going to read to you a short passage of scripture from John 13. And then we're going to pray and then spend some time together meditating on God's word and looking for God's help, his presence on this day. Here's the, here's the text. It's a short passage. Verse 36 of John 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. And then we'll try to think together and see what the Lord has for us in this passage. God, we ask for your grace to be still. God, wherever it is uh, that we are right now, whether we're on a walk or sitting in our home, driving in our car maybe, we ask for your help. We ask, God, that you would help us to honor the word of God, the scripture that you would speak to us, Lord. It's our conviction that there's great comfort for us to receive as we sit with these simple words of the Bible and try to um, derive meaning from them. Lord, help us to do that, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing that we have to sit with here is Peter's question. He, he asked, Lord, where are you going? And I can hear in Peter's confused question, an additional question that he doesn't actually verbalize, but I think it was right there. He said, Lord, what are you doing? What, what are you up to? Because Peter is confused. Jesus has just said some words to Peter and his friends that didn't make any sense to Peter. I think they threw him off his mark. He just said, little children, I'm only with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And then he launches into this teaching about love. He's like, now I want you to love one another. And it's like Jesus is preaching this sermon about love. And Peter's like, hold on a minute. What, where are you going when you say you're not going to be with us anymore? What does that mean? This was a major hint to the friends of Jesus that they were in for some major disorientation. It's like their life is bumping along, maybe like our lives were prior to this pandemic. And they were thinking, you know, we know it's going to happen next and life is full of its ups and downs, but like we can, we can roll with this. And all of a sudden Jesus says to them, I'm going away and you're not going to be with me. Now y'all, we have to hear these men had been in constant fellowship, constant friendship and interaction with Jesus for three years. And now for him to say, there's going to be space between us. I don't think Peter could handle it. He wants to figure out what it means. He wants to know what Jesus is really talking about. He wants to find out whether this is symbolic or, or literal. And I was thinking about Peter's desire to understand and specifically his desire to understand or gain some sense of control or balance when he hears something really unsettling. And it, it just confirms what I know in my own heart, which is that loss uh, stops us dead in our tracks. The thought of loss, the thought of, 
a season of extended disorientation, which is what the disciples were going to be facing. Like, what do we do without Jesus? Like, this just grinds the whole mechanism to a halt. And for many of us right now, we sit here on this Good Friday and, you know, we're in the Good Fridayist season that I've ever endured in my whole life. This idea of being in the dark is not hard for you and me to comprehend right now. It's not even hard for us to identify with loss and pain and fear and disorientation. Peter wants an answer. Uh, Not being able to go where Jesus is going to go is actually unthinkable to Peter. And he wants an answer to a question that Jesus isn't willing to answer. He wants to know where you're going. And if you'll note, Jesus does not tell him right away where he's going. He doesn't make it more clear. He actually makes things more confusing, frankly, with his answer. And that's got me to thinking, you know, it's not God's responsibility to answer every question I ask. I think there are times where all of us are invited to sit with uncertainty, to sit with mystery, to sit with things that are even unsettling to us and not have an answer right away. And I don't know what kinds of prayers you've been praying, but I've actually ceased in the short term praying to understand all that's going on around me. And I've begun to just ask the Lord to help me be present and to be still and to find what comfort and solace and experience of him I can in the midst of disorientation. Peter wanted answers that he didn't get. I want answers that I don't receive. You want answers to questions that you don't get. But Jesus doesn't leave him. Jesus actually says, Peter, you will follow me. And he's speaking to the fact that Peter and all of us, to a large extent, will always be invited to follow Jesus down dark roads. I mean, that's the thing about following Jesus. We don't just get to follow him into meadows with flowers and kittens and puppies. We are also invited to follow him down some dark roads. And this invitation is very confusing to Peter because he says, well, if I'm going to follow you, then why can't I follow you now? And then he says these words that I think give us a clue as to what Peter was sensing. He says, I'm willing to lay my life down for you, Jesus. And I think this is uh, an indicator that Peter does sense danger. He has some idea that Jesus is probably walking down a road that's going to lead him to trouble, maybe even death. And his instinct is to be brave. His instinct is to try to protect. His instinct is to rise to the occasion. He wants to be tough. He wants to have enough to help Jesus get through. And um, I'm, I'm moved by the sentiment in Peter's words. Uh, why can't I follow you now? I'm willing to lay my life down for you because I see myself in those words. I, I So I deeply identify with Peter's desire to rise to the occasion. I find that when I'm facing danger, I always want to be brave. I'm not always brave, but I want to be. And I bet many of us are, are sitting in that same space. You know, you're Uh, We're three and some odd weeks into this self-shelter in place and self-quarantining and we wanted to be brave and maybe we're finding that the cracks in the armor are already showing. Uh, This idea of wanting to rise to the occasion and rising to the occasion not exactly being the same thing. And effectively what Jesus says to Peter at the end is this, Peter, you don't have enough. You're not brave enough. You're not strong enough 
to rise to the occasion, you can't fix this. You can't save me. And the thing is, if Peter doesn't have enough, I don't have enough. You don't have enough. But we all want to be able to help. We all want to be able to get through the ordeal that we're facing. We all want to be able to rise to the occasion when crunch time happens. But we're all more like Peter than we would like to admit. You know, we live our whole lives hoping we'll have enough when the crucial moment comes. And then sometimes the crucial moment comes and we find that we don't have enough. And it's easy to feel a lot of shame about this. And, and some of you probably are feeling that. I've had my moments where I felt uh, very ashamed of the anxiety that was brewing inside of me. Um, really disappointed in the way I was reacting to something. You know, when we're squeezed, the stuff that comes out of us is not always good. It's not always pretty. And Jesus here looks at Peter before the critical moment comes and he says, Peter, you don't have enough. But here's the thing that I think we have to sit with on Good Friday. Jesus does have enough. I don't have enough. Jesus does. He is able to go to the darkest place and do something about that darkness. That's what he did on Good Friday. That's what the cross is all about. Maybe you and I have to come to our not enough place before we can fully embrace what Jesus has done for us at the cross. I, I'm beginning to think after this ordeal, for those of us who make it through it, we're going to know something about the cross, about Jesus dealing with death and dismantling it by facing it, by entering into it that maybe we didn't or couldn't really know before now. Today is Good Friday. And I just want to encourage you, don't rush to Easter. And I don't know that that's going to be hard for us this year because Easter is going to feel different. It's going to feel odd in a way that Easter has never felt. It's not going to feel triumphalistic. And we'll say more about that on Easter Sunday. But today we get to go into the darkest of the days in our church calendar. This is the darkest day of our year, the day we murdered Jesus. The day that humans, people like me, who are afraid to admit our vulnerability, took matters into our own hands and killed him. And when Jesus died, the lights went out. The world went dark and God wept. But he had to do it. When I think about Jesus, and I'm thinking about him a lot with Holy Week, I'm reminded that Jesus was known as a Passover lamb, a perfect spotless animal that would be a sacrifice, a covering for human sin and shame. And for many of us, the cross has not made a lot of sense. It's maybe seemed sentimental or romantic or you know, like something you, you, like you'd see in a movie that was just like a heroic act of senseless uh, violence. It's just self-sacrifice. And yet when you get into the biblical story, you know, when the first humans sinned, their shame isolated them. It, it caused them to hide from God and each other. And they tried to cover their shame with fig leaves that would only wear out. And God killed an animal at the very beginning of the Bible to create skins, clothing that was permanent to cover human shame so that humans would come out of hiding. 
And so when we're told that Jesus is a sacrificial lamb, that Jesus died on the cross, I would submit to you that Jesus died in some massive, beautiful fulfillment of that very early symbolism that came into the Bible, which is that God had to take the life, and in this instance, his own life, in order to make permanent clothing to cover human pain and shame. That's why we call today good. We call it good because of what Jesus did for us. I pray that you would join us tonight at atltrinity.org for our Good Friday service. Um, we're going to post a video with readings and candles and a short homily, and we hope you'll participate with us. But I'll leave you with this prayer. Father, stand guard over us on this darkest of days. And we pray in your mercy that you would show us where we are like Peter, where we do not have enough, where we want to rise to the occasion, but we truly don't have the resources to do so. And remind us that we need not be ashamed of that inadequacy, that that's the very place, Lord Jesus, where you come into our story and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So help us to see it today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.